My name is Lena Chang. Today is January 15th, and I'm here with Robert Anthony Gibbons at the Central Library for the Our Streets, Our Stories project at the Brooklyn Public Library. So could you share your reflections on 1619 with us today? Um, I came across a, a newspaper article with the New York Times last year in 2019 um, highlighting the 400-year institution of enslavement here in this country, and I thought it was very, very important. So when I heard that my local library in my neighborhood in Brooklyn was doing this, I thought, well, how can I continue being a part of the mission of freedom and democracy and liberation and all the things that we talk about when we want to be inclusive. And I thought this was a wonderful idea so, so that I immediately came to the library and said that I want to be a part of it. And I'm glad I'm mm -hmm. being interviewed about this project. Oh, thank you for yeah. thinking of yeah. our project. Right. So how did you come to um, be interested in this project? Well, I had uh, the opportunity in 2019, starting in September, to teach a uh, literature class at City College. Mm -hmm. And most of those students were people of color from around the world. And they were <clears throat> freshmen that mm -hmm. really had heard about s slavery, but really had no knowledge of the rich and deep diversity of this country. Mm -hmm. and all of the people that have made contributions. And that's what happens. Um, many people, not just African-Americans, many people of color in this country, their stories, they, they are not in control of their narratives, so there are all these stereotypical one-sided narratives that are written about certain groups of people that's not always true. So I think that this particular project, 1619 Project, although I've read some of the criticisms about it too, you know that it is a step forward. You know, it is, it is kind of chiseling away at the old guard or as we say at the institutional, the peculiar institution of, of the academics in this country. You know, and I am an academic, I believe in academia, but I found that in those large classes of 30 students, you know, none of those students had any idea about this subject. You know, mm -hmm. they had heard of slavery, but they had no knowledge. And so mm -hmm. we read Colson Whitehead's book, um, Underground Railroad, that started to kind of give them the inside scoop on what's going, what happened mm -hmm. during its slavery in this country. Right. How do you hope that the narrative changes from the history of enslavement? Because it's something that, as you said, is not spoken about or acknowledged enough mm -hmm. right. and so as an academic mm -hmm. how would you like to see the change happen right. in the future well, that's a great question i know that there are great strides being made all over you know i read and i, I you have to stay up on top of the reading there are many books out there but that's although the scholarship is being written that mm -hmm. still does not satisfy the problem i mean with this generation of students. It's very, very important that the other ways that are being made 
to get that information across to them. And I just imagine the generation after them, you know, Mm -hmm. that the old book, just the idea of them flipping through a 700-page historical book or history book like we did as history majors, I don't Mm -hmm. think the generation will do that. So, you know, the interactive way, the technological way, the way of assimilating and disseminating this information to them in a different type of way so that they know that slavery is not the history of black people in this country. It Mm -hmm. goes beyond... You know, Abraham Lincoln in 1865 and emancipation, Mm -hmm. there were some things going on, you know, or it's not Native American people or uh, Asian American people or any any of the people of color that have come to this country. Their stories are much longer than what we know in our head. It's been taught Mm -hmm. in school all our lives. Right. Mm -hmm. How do you feel like you were um, impacted by the education you received when you were younger Mm -hmm. did you think there was enough of a focus on the past history like let's say from 1619 till now that's a wonderful question i grew up in south florida so i grew up in a little town called bell glade florida and bell Mm -hmm. glade sits on the uh southern shores of lake okeechobee and it is a part of Palm Beach County, but it is a part, also a part of the Everglades. Mm-hmm. And Belle Glade <clears throat> is surrounded by sugarcane. And so many of the people that grew up in my, or, or came to that part of the country, came through the migrant tradition, meaning they were there in search of work, field work. So it was the sugarcane, it was the celery fields, it was the corn fields. So many people were um, not educated. And so I did grow up in Belgrade, and it did have a school, a middle school and a high school. And many of the teachers that I knew were friends of my mother because my mother was a teacher. And so mm-hmm. I was fortunate, but that doesn't mean because I was fortunate to have a teacher as a mother that everybody was fortunate. And so, you know, of course, I, um, college was something that I had to do because she instilled that in all of my brothers and sisters at a very early age. But many people I knew didn't have the opportunity to go to college. Mm -hmm. And they didn't have the opportunity to search out information or they didn't have the opportunity to have a mother that was a teacher. The the information was not taught. Mm -hmm. I have always just had it inside me that I wanted to know more that was given to me or I wanted to interrogate or Mm -hmm. I wanted to question or I wanted to expand what I knew. And that's pretty much how I ended up in New York. You know, Mm -hmm. because I always wanted to be a writer. My mother introduced me to Langston Hughes. She introduced me to many of the writers of the Harlem Renaissance when Mm -hmm. I was a child. And, uh, you know, again, I'm fortunate, you know, but many people I know that aren't. Or many people, you know, history and reading and studying and dedicating your life to lifelong learning is difficult for people because the struggle is real for us Mm -hmm. and the struggle is that i need to survive every day i need to make money for my family and children and Mm -hmm. the tradition that i come from is much more difficult than anybody can imagine can you imagine working in the fields and it's 100 degrees at 8 a.m so it's it's a lot of things that go on but again We've survived that, and that's a part of this enslave. That's a part of this of this 400 years enslavement because my people came from South Carolina, 
mm-hmm. in search of work. And they came over the borders to Georgia, and they came over the borders to Florida. So that whole enslavement is, I'm a part of that tradition. And so mm-hmm. that's why this is very, very important to me as a, mm-hmm. as a person. Sorry uh, for jumping back, but That's not right. I wanted to ask you more no. about okay. when you were growing up mm-hmm. in Florida. Right. Were there any stories that were shared in your family mm-hmm. when you were growing up in Florida about what it was like for them growing yeah. up? Yeah. That's a great question. Thank you. My grandmother uh, was a very, very interesting woman. Um, you know, we shared a very close bond. And, uh, yeah, she was from a place called Bainbridge, Georgia, the southern borders of Georgia. Mm-hmm. And I, I went to college in Tallahassee, so <clears throat> although I had been going to Georgia as a kid with her in the summer because her mother was still alive, so not only did I have a wonderful experience of meeting my grandmother, but I also knew my great-grandmother, and that was very, very important because she would take me and my mm-hmm. brother there during the summer. We would take that long trip from South Florida to the southern southern borders of Georgia, which was about a 10-hour ride from where we oh, lived, wow. from Flo- just to get through Florida to get to the southern part of Georgia. But anyway, mm-hmm. one summer, I had to go to Georgia with my grandmother. And my grandmother wanted me to know some of my ancestors or some mm-hmm. of the people in our family. And I don't know that part of Georgia was not well lit. It didn't have a lot of lights. It didn't have a lot of paved roads. But somehow she found that answer, that she found her way back through the country after being away for all those years. She found her way through those bushes and through that underbrush and took mm-hmm. us to that place back there and started, we stayed there the entire day. She said, well, let's get up and go early in the morning so we mm-hmm. can get out of there before it turns dark, you know? And although we stayed there until it was dark, it was just, I always remember, how did she know that? How did she find yeah. her way back through that part of the country? And right. we sat there and we cleaned all those grave plots. She said, this mm-hmm. is your ancestor, John Hansford, or this is your ancestor, um, Emma Jones, or, or this, you know. And she began to track the stories for me. Mm-hmm. And my grandmother wasn't a formal education, uh, formal, formally educated but she knew her history. And I don't know how important that is, but I was like 12 years old, and she was telling me how important this was, that I know who these people are. This is your ancestor. Let's clean these graves off. Let's give them, let's put this respect back in their humanity. It's so It stuck with me all my life, mm-hmm. and I still remember that. So well, I feel like it's a part of this whole thing that she didn't want them to be lost. Mm-hmm. So she was passing it to me. You know what I'm saying? Right. She was passing that information on. They, I don't want this. These people, you should at least you never knew them, but you recognize this is their name. This is who they are, and mm-hmm. this is how I know them. And this is. You know, my grandmother's name was Versi, V-E-R-S-I. That was her first name. And her middle name was Lee, Lee, L-E-E. And she said that they lived on the the Lee Plantation. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So she was passing bits and pieces of history to me that I should know. Mm -hmm. And that's why 
1619 is very, very important because it's a lot of information in this tradition that was passed along through the oral tradition. It wasn't mm -hmm. written down. Many of enslaved people couldn't write. That's where the whole mm -hmm. idea of X comes from. I have to just sign X because I don't know how to sign my name. I don't know how to write. But they did pass these stories along. And my grandmother mm -hmm. passed many stories along to me, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. How would you hope that the future generation continues to remember their history right. and preserve their history? That's, 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 that's a very good question and it's so, what can I say, contentious, you know? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I deal with students. You know, I'm working in an eighth grade academy right now on Saturdays where mm -hmm. I'm working with students that want to be, you know, they want to go to a certain type of school so they're getting extra intensive help on the weekends. And so you hear what students think, and I, that's what I love about being around younger students and being in their lives and being a part of their lives because you, you can tell what the future will be, you know. Mm -hmm. And many students are, you know, especially here in New York, if they, are, they need to go south. They need to experience a long road. They need to experience a feel. You know, I grew up in, you know, although <clears throat> we didn't have everything we wanted, we did have an open road. Mm -hmm. We were able to run and play. Everything was not concretized and cement in a concrete jungle. We did see big, beautiful trees. You know, we did have that energy. We didn't have to go to a park to find nature, you know, and I think that has something to do with the psyche that, you know, mm -hmm. that I can go outside and I can smell the rain or I can see the rainbow, you know, and oftentimes in New York, we can't even see midnight here, you know, you can't see a star, you know, and all of those wonderful things that we take for granted, I had it as a kid, and I think it had a part, it, it, it had, it, it developed me. You know, mm -hmm. it's a part of who I am and I can appreciate when I do go to the Botanic Gardens or if I do walk to Prospect Park, I can appreciate the things that I see and not just what, or even the poor trees that are on my block. I can appreciate them because mm -hmm. people, the people that throw cigarettes in the, in the bins of a tree or throw their trash to wait for curbside services, they don't, they could care less. They just want to make it through the day. And I understand that feeling too, because it's mm -hmm. hard living in this city. You know, it's hard, it's hard being condensed, and but this is the way of life in, in the urban city like this, but there's another way. You know, there's mm -hmm. another atmosphere, there's another place. You know, often wealthy people have another home upstate or they have a, another home in Florida or in the Bahamas mm -hmm. and they have the opportunity, but what about the people that don't, you know? They mm -hmm. get this kind of, skewed mentality that everything is like this. And when I did talk to some students once, I taught a, mm -hmm. a, a class of eighth grade one year, and they told me, they said, you know, Mr. Gibbons, I had a chance to go down south, and you need, you need a car. You know, you have to ride to the store. You, there are no subways there. You know, mm -hmm. I had a chance to walk barefoot. I had a chance to feel the outside. I had a chance to swim in a lake. I had a chance. Mm -hmm. And so those kinds of things are very, very important too. It's not always about right. the money and I want to be rich and I want to be a celebrity and I want to be a capitalist and I want to be a commercialist. I want to be, I want my business. I want millions of dollars. And that's, that's projected. 
in this city, and that's what a lot of people want, and I understand that too. But mm-hmm. there's another way that's just as important to me. Right. Before when you mentioned mm-hmm. um, your experience as a teacher mm-hmm. for the eighth grade students, right. how do you feel you were influenced from your mother, who was mm-hmm. also a teacher, right. into like how you right. approach and right. teach your students? Yeah, that's a great yeah. question. Thank you. Well, my mother had this kind of natural way of getting across to us, you know. I'm her oldest, and I have a brother, and I have three sisters. One Mm -hmm. of my sisters passed away a few years ago in 2015, but she was brilliant too. Um, My mother, we went to a small little elementary school right up the street from our house. My mother was a teacher there. And so it put me in a position where I couldn't, I had to be unofficially a role model. Oh, your mom is a teacher here. And the teachers knew, you know, that my mom and my mom kind of selected the teachers that I had. So there was no way that I could do anything outside of the norm because my mother was a teacher there. And that's that's not always easy, you know, thinking Mm -hmm. about it now. But it kind of, it kind of always made me pursue you know or just really focus in i have to i have to i have to be a certain way or i have to get this done you know or my mother will you know she will know before i even get home you know Mm -hmm. what i'm saying and so yeah i think that and so her influence was she built routines in us she built discipline us she always made us keep journals she always loved language she always read stories to us i mean even in the womb my mom mm-hmm. said that she sung and she read stories to me. And so when I came, when I, uh, I've always been interested in language. You know, even in the second grade, I participated in the spelling bee. You know, so I was a part of that Script Howard spelling bee where you would go to Palm, West Palm Beach and you would participate. And if you win, you come to Washington, D.C. That was the whole big national spelling bee. And so even in the second grade, I was starting off with language and studying words and being a part of that. And it was because of her, not disciplinarian self, but her way of, you know, creating this world for us. And I mean creating this world where she told us that education is accessible this way if you study, Mm -hmm. if you put your energy into it, if you love this and so she read stories to us in a way that it opened it it opened it up to us wow could you read us a story mm-hmm. and we did have television 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 is also can be dangerous you know it's important too for those people back during my generation you know but that whole idea of spending time did you get your homework done can i see it can i help you what do you think what how was your day how, we, how, are you, how are you doing in that class? I know you're, you know, those kind of debriefing ideas. We did it every day of our life. Mm-hmm. Not one day did we go by and we were not asked about our homework. We did not have, mm-hmm. and we did not, we did not, um, we did not do work. Or we were not involved in an after school program or we were not involved in other things that enhanced our learning. You know, she mm-hmm. was a big part of that. You know, Robert, you, are you, do you want to take piano lessons? Do you want to take violin lessons? Mm-hmm. You know, I did all those things. You know, those kind of things enhanced it too. You know, that she was constantly searching. And then she was a community person. You know, she gave back. 
she taught after school or she taught night school or she she helped a local coat drive and that was just as important too my mom is still alive but you know mm-hmm. she is older but she she was a a role model because right. in Florida it was this whole idea you had to be this unwritten rule that you had to be married and you had to be you had to be have children in order to be a teacher and i think that idea came from how can you teach people how can you teach if you don't have children you know right. i feel like almost teaching it as a form is like it's really it can get really personal because you're mm-hmm. you're passing down knowledge but right. then the way that you attain knowledge is so right. Unique and different to people based right. on like their upbringing. Yeah, and, and people don't understand yeah. the power of that because I still remember my second grade teacher, who was my mother's good friend. You know, she selected mm-hmm. me for that class, and she selected me for for being in that woman's class. And that woman told me that the spelling bee. You know, Robert, I know you're a great speller, so I'm going to include you in the spelling bee. Study your spelling words. I did that, not knowing that one day I wanted to be a poet, not knowing that one day that I would love language, not knowing that one day I would get my master's degree in English, but she was a part of that. Mm-hmm. She had to be because she saw something in me that she felt like I should pursue. You know, it's so funny. You know, mm-hmm. I never thought of it like that. She gave a play, you know, and so she wanted me to be the main character of the play. I never knew that I would pursue acting after that, but I did. You know, I did little plays in high school and even in life. You know, I'm auditioning for some things coming up, but, you know, she told me, I was like, I can't be the goose because the name of the play was called The Goose, and I would mm-hmm. be the goose in the play. And I was like, everybody's going to laugh at me. She was like, Robert. You're the only one that can do this character. That's what my second grade teacher told me. And then I, and every time, Lena, every mm-hmm. time I did made a small accomplishment, that second grade teacher would call me, I saw you, I heard what you did. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So she stayed connected to my journey all those years mm-hmm. before she transitioned and left Earth. That teacher stayed connected to what I was doing. Mm-hmm. That's what it's about. (laughs) For sure. Yeah, that's what it's about. You don't get teachers like that anymore. They're about the money. They're they're overtaxed. They're overworked. You know, they have all of these responsibilities. I'm a big advocate for teachers, Mm -hmm. you know, because I I, I have a community of teachers Mm -hmm. I know in New York, around the country, that are friends of mine, and I know their struggles, you know, that they never get the respect that they deserve, and they're overworked with all mm-hmm. of these demands, and then they just have a lot of things coming out and a lot of messages. Mm-hmm. So it's hard now, yeah. Um, if you could f- run your own school and Whoa. like programs, what would you hope to bring to your community? I have thought about that, you know, um, because, um, you know, my brother, my brother went and got his PhD in education, and he's a principal of our middle school, you know, in, in, in my neighborhood in Florida. And that's a big deal. You know, mm-hmm. my brother's a principal, Dr. Carl Gibbons, and I'm so proud of my brother and the work that he does because he was an athlete. And then we just, you know, you just never know how your life, but he's a mm-hmm. wonderful educator and he's a wonderful principal, you know, and all this kind of thing. But he's a principal part of the school system. You know, but if I had my own academy or my own school, 
I would just, you know, and I've dreamed about this, that I could work with students, you know, take them to museums, take them to historic. My, my particular school would be mostly art-based. Mm-hmm. So it would, be, it would be in the art areas, you know, they could do some painting, some sculpture, write poetry, mm-hmm. you know, do summer camps, do those kinds of things. So, you know, I've always thought about, you know, of course they, they need academics like science and math and, 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 and technology and all those kinds of things that I love too. But I would like for them to be able to really explore. Many schools don't have art. Mm-hmm. I was amazed at that living in New York that many schools don't have a music program. You know, they, a lot of schools are based on science and math, and that's all, and that's important too. But I don't think, I don't agree. Mm-hmm. I think that art is just as important too. I think the pursuing of visual arts, painting, all those kinds of things, there's some students in there that you will never know that wanna paint. They wanna be sculptors, but you have to go to a specialized school to get that type of energy. And it's, it's, it's sad because, and then some schools never had it. They never, or, or the leaders don't have the vision. So it's just like this full type of curriculum that I would have. And I would start off with the smallest of our population and work. And there are people in the world that do those, have those great insights, have those great visions. But if I had my own school, my school would be art, museum, writing, mm-hmm. technology, and the art, and the general areas too, right. all inclusive. Thank you for assuring that. Yeah, is it okay? Mm-hmm. Um, or is there anything else you'd like to share with us today? Um, no, it's just that, uh, yeah, just a few things that I just... I'm so happy that the library has taken on this initiative. Um, I just I just like to shout this library out. This library is very important to me. I think it's a viable, wonderful institution in this community. It does a lot for us, for people like me that need the resources, for people that's in Brooklyn that need the resources. And I just, I don't think people in this library get enough credit or the things mm-hmm. that they do, you know, I can come here for a show, or I can come here for a talk, or I can come here for a class, or I can just come here and use the computer as long as I want. And many places don't do that. And so it's just mm-hmm. that I want to say, I thank this library for being open to me individually. I've met, I've met many friends here, you know, I've created community here. You know, I belong to many writing groups Many writers come through here, and it's a way of just expanding. If you're very, very interested in in the type of programming, I mean, you could go as far as you want to go, as much work as you put into it, and that's why, you know, I'm just I'm just happy about this library. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for thank you for sharing having me. your story today.